Welcome to the Next Door Neighbors podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things neighborly. Here are your hosts, Alex and Irina Mazukin. Is this your first podcast? Yeah. Really? What do you mean? <laughs> I'm not a celebrity. No, but I mean, there's just like, I think in today's time, like everybody has some kind of form of a podcast, like kind of like a blog. Remember like when blogs mm, first came out? Yeah. Everybody had some form, whether they monetized it and they did really good yeah. or they, they just did it for like for me when I started. Yeah. I was just trying to be something. Yeah. You know, I just, so like you asked me for a podcast. I'm like, dude, what are we, what, what are you, what am I going to say? I always have the best conversation with you. So if you guys are listening, we have Yuri Manchik on the podcast. He is a photographer, a long friend of uh, Irene and I, in fact, his wife, Julia, which I think she's trying to coordinate her to be on, on, on the podcast just with her. Mm. Uh, they're roommates back in college. Um, but I met Yuri through a bunch of acquaintances, but Yuri's, uh, you're actually, I don't know, I want to speak to you in third person, but you're interesting because you're the one that kind of planted the seed in the back of my mind to get into YouTube. Do you remember that conversation? One, yeah, kind of. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, how long ago was it? It was when I, you were, you were in Idaho. I was in Idaho, my first yeah. house. Yeah. Yeah. It was my first house. We're sitting in the backyard. I just got into Instagram and I remember picking your brain quite a bit on Instagram because as a photographer and you're well established in Seattle, I remember like talking to you about like how to take pictures. And I thought hmm. the whole thing of like, you need the tech, you need the hardware, you need the camera in order to take a good picture. And you're like, dude, you don't need that stuff. Like, mm -hmm. and I specifically remember you and I went out to, for like beers or something like that when you're still living in Queen Anne in Seattle. And you're like, look, I could take a good picture with your phone. And you took my phone and you like, I don't know if you remember this part, like mm -hmm. we were at this like industrial no, Smith. Is that what it was? Smith on Capitol Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there was this like uh, live edge slab bar top mm -hmm. and then the light was hitting just right. And you were just like, you played around with my phone and then you mm -hmm. boom, captured it. And I was like, you're right, but you're, you're good at it because you know how to look for the opportunities mm -hmm. versus somebody who's not good at it. They're not looking for opportunities. They rely on tech. Yeah. No, tech is, I think everyone starts out like that. when you. When you're beginning, you get intimidated with, oh, I need the best this. I need to spend five, 10 grand. And I mean, you could if you had the money and you wanted to, but if you have the passion, that's more important. I'm like, if you, if you have the drive, I think you can take good photos with anything. There's guys that use little cheap 35 millimeter film cameras that have way better photos than guys with $10,000 worth. How much are those 10 millimeter photo cameras? You can get them at Goodwill for like $50. Really? I mean, film's not cheap. Film's $5, $10 a roll plus developing, but. The point is, like, you can get great shots with anything. Yeah. I mean, just photography-wise, like, yeah. It, you just, tech, I almost, yeah, it's like a marketing thing. People push tech. You need the newest newest, newest lens, newest camera, newest, you know. Like. Do you think it's forgiving to a beginner person? Do you think if somebody, let's say, says, okay, I'm going to be an influencer, I'm going to be a photographer, not a photographer, because that's you definitely have to invest in the money in it. Mm -hmm. But you're like, I'm going to create a, a spot on the internet. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like somebody who doesn't know photography needs to get at least a camera that is forgiving enough that it can clean mm -hmm. up a lot of stuff. Kind of like you and I were talking about these mics. Yeah. So we sat down and you're like, what's these mics? And I go, well, this is the Shure SM7Bs. Mm -hmm. They're very forgiving. You go, what do you mean? Yeah. Well, they, you have to do the least amount of editing on them. Uh -huh. Is yeah. that the same with cameras? Um, well, when it comes to editing, that's another thing. Um, you, I'd rather get the shot right in camera and like just get it how I want it. So I have to edit less mm -hmm. like something like kind of with these mics, like you get a good mic. So you have to edit less. Correct. Same thing with, you know, it translates to photos rather get a good lens. Uh, lens is more important than cameras. Uh, cameras are all most new cameras are pretty good. Lenses is kind of where you can spend, you know, a hundred dollars on the lens or $5,000 on the lens and, and it shows. Um, and then you have to edit less. Now, why does it show? Cause I mean, essentially I, my, my small understanding of lenses as when I first started creating videos is, I was working in a very dark lit area and uh -huh. you, I remember with the one you really guided, uh, you gave me a lot of the first fundamentals of like, what can I get away with? Mm -hmm. Because I was filming an area where it's like, it was a dark garage. There's not a mm -hmm. lot of natural lighting. So you're like, okay, you need something with a bigger aperture Yeah. or the technically yeah. it's a lower aperture. Yeah. Right. Lower aperture, bigger opening, bigger More light. Comes exactly. In. Yeah. And that's what uh, my like beginning understanding of it. So like technically you, what, what is a good lens? Like, the bigger, the more glass, the more expensive mm -hmm. glass. It's, you know, it's coated with whatever they coat it with. Um, the more glass there is, the more expensive it is. The bigger the app, the opening, lower the aperture number. 
Um, like if you just want to look for fun, look at le um, lenses that have a 0.95 mm -hmm. aperture. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, it's, um, I heard of 1.2, I think is the lowest I've ever seen. That's kind of, yeah. And they make one that goes, I don't know if it's just Leica. I think Canon makes one too. That goes mm -hmm. 0.95. And those are, don't quote me, but like 10 or 15 grand. If really? Not more. Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're the, like, <clears throat> the focus is just, it's really hard to focus on it because it's, the lower you go in aperture, you get really good bokeh. But only What's as, bokeh for people who don't know what a bokeh is. Just the diffuse background, not diffused, but like the blurred out background. Ah, so it's you like get a the portrait light. picture, right? The portrait is like a very focused person, like in, blurred background. Like in an iPhone, yeah. They, mm -hmm. they got portrait mode. They're just copying like a bokeh or a low aperture shot. So the lower you go, the more blurred out the background will be. Mm -hmm. Where if you shoot at F8 or something, everything's pretty crisp. Now, most of the F8s, they're like, those are the lenses that are like really long. So if you're like on a NASCAR, a Formula One racetrack. No, no, those, those are, no, those are zoom lenses. Those are just zoom lenses. Yeah, those are just called, oh. not even zoom prime lenses, but very, long. so the reason it's so big is because it's got a very low aperture. Mm -hmm. And that just means you got to put a ton of glass in there. Uh, yeah. So you'll still give you the same bokeh, but yeah, you'll, you'll exactly. be able to reach out there. Yeah, so you could see like, okay, oh, F1 or something. The car is perfectly in focus. Everything else is, mm -hmm. is uh, blurred out. If you shot that with a cheap lens, you wouldn't get the car wouldn't be as separated from the backdrop. Mm. The backdrop would be kind of it would kind of more or less be all in focus. But if you shoot with those big lenses down at like two point eight, the car is crisp. Everything else is blurred out. Yeah, that's how, that's how you get those good shots. Kyle, does that still apply for video too? Yeah, one hundred percent. So yeah. you can still get the bokeh and all that stuff just for yeah, video. Lower aperture. Yeah. Yeah. Turn on. What's up? I think we're on. Yeah. 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 Okay. But yeah, like was mentioned, it's just harder to focus when you're like 2.8, 1.4. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Do you feel the same way? Because like you've always said this, like you don't need camera gear. What's your opinion about camera gear, like in terms of lenses? Um, I mean, it's similar. From the video perspective. Yeah, it's similar to like photography. Mm -hmm. um, like a nice lens will out trump a nice, a nice camera. Mm -hmm. um, if you only have the money for one, definitely go for a lens. Definitely go for a lens. Because I mean, when I was starting off, I just had cheap gear. And with like cheap lenses, mm -hmm. you're not going to get like a sharp image. Nothing's really going to look in focus. I mean, depending on the lens, you can find good ones, but yeah, my first uh, camera, when I bought like a first YouTube camera, mm -hmm. um, it was, I was under a contract with home Depot mm -hmm. and that was in their influencer, like tool review program. And they just signed me to create my first like blog post. And they're like, you know, what would you like to do to be featured? And they gave me the amount of money that I shouldn't have had to be paid for when mm -hmm. I was such a small influencer. Like, mm -hmm. I think I was presenting myself higher than I was. And I remember borrowing my friend's little Nikon, whatever their entry level thing that looks like that right there. Like the mm -hmm. little, what's, it's like a, it's, oh, it's called a, uh, uh, the Rebel. Nikon is a Canon, Canon Rebel. Canon it was Rebel. a Canon Rebel. Yeah, yeah. It was a Canon Rebel with a stock lens, mm -hmm. nothing new to it. Uh, I think stock lenses are like 4.5 apertures, mm -hmm. maybe even higher. And I went to my garage and I was taking step-by-step -step pictures trying to write this blog post. And I did not know how to adjust anything on this camera. Mm -hmm. But the only thing I was thinking about was like, taking, this is going to make it look good. And I looked back on that blog post till this day. And it's the most cringiest pictures with what was better than my iPhone. Mm -hmm. and, but looking back at it now, I was like, I'd probably kind of done a little bit better. I mean, I, had, I was basically using a, a tool that I wasn't trained to use. Yeah. And that was my biggest like frustration with this whole thing where it's one thing if you go, okay, here's a camera, let me teach you how to take like a proper setting mm -hmm. versus going, here's an iPhone, look for opportunities of mm -hmm. good pictures. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you've always yeah. kind of done that. You've always, mm -hmm. and your wife, Julia, she worked for Moment Lenses and mm -hmm. that, that was an adapter for the, the iPhone that kind of cultivated people to be, okay, here's uh, an enhancement attachment to your phone that now you can kind of put on this hat of a photographer mm -hmm. and go look for these opportunities. Do you feel like people just need to do that more often? Or yeah. Yeah. I mean, moment lenses were cool because they had a macro, a macro adapter, adapter, a wide angle and a portrait. So it was nice. You could get, you know, you just had more flexibility. This is before iPhone had the three lenses. This was back when, you know, iPhone had one lens and now you can add attachments and just go out and do more with it. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the, I really like street photography. Some of the photographers I really like, I think are people just go out and find stuff. Those are the most interesting photos, like photos of amazing nature or a cool car. It's like, oh, okay, cool. But kind of scroll past it, but photos of like people just doing their own thing or a city or 
like things that you wouldn't normally see that someone took the time to like, hey, I'm going to go walk around the city and see what I can find. Those are cool photos. So what makes, okay, and that's, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. What is that rubric for a cool photo of people just doing the thing? Because Kyle does the same thing with me. He never, we have never reshot a scene mm -hmm. where he's like, okay, hey, just walk with this wood here, mm -hmm. like uh, a director would do. Yeah. And I remember he's saying, he's like, no, no, I'd rather it be natural. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, I get that. I get that. Even for shooting wedding, weddings, you're like, it's just, it's your wedding. Do your thing. Don't try to act. When you act, your body, you might feel like you're normal, but your body senses like, mm. hey, I even here, I'm like, I'm on a, I feel like I'm kind of tense. I'm like, just, okay, chill out. We're just chatting. Yeah. Like, same thing with photos. Like, hey, right. just do your thing. Like, forget about the camera. And uh, those photos are good. Or like, the best photos of people, like for street photography, is when you catch them doing their own thing. Uh, I'm just thinking of our travel photos. Okay, last big, okay, Morocco. Um, some of my favorite photos, because we, we had a little point of shoot right here. You know, people don't want a camera in their face, so we would just kind of keep it. You, you know, do like a body cam kind of thing. Well, no, no, just a, a little point and shoot without a big lens, but we kept it around on a neck strap and you just kind of walk around and snap. It's no, that's what I mean. You took a picture from oh, yeah, your yeah, chest exactly. cam, like yeah, a body yep, cam you just style. Put one hand, people don't even know. It's quiet. It's, mm -hmm. it's uh, mirrorless. And those are some of my favorite photos because people just doing their own thing. They, they're not aware of the camera. Whereas as soon as you're like, hey, can I take a photo then? They kind of, oh, let me grab a fruit. Like, oh, mm -hmm. hey, look, I got a fruit or, you know, it... I mean, and those photos aren't bad either, but it doesn't make you, the natural ones are cool. What, what do you think makes a picture so good or appealing when people are just doing their thing as opposed to posing? I, I get the whole posing, yeah. it's artificial. Uh -huh. You're doing something you're not used to, but like, let's say you see a, a guy with textured, wrinkly face uh -huh. and he's eating an apple, but you shot it in this black and white and whatever. Uh -huh. What makes pictures in the wild like that so attractive? That moment, like because that, that's not posed. There's just a guy you could, I think a lot of times looking at his eyes or his expression, he was just doing his own thing, thinking about whatever he was thinking. Um, he wasn't aware of a camera and that moment just brings you back. Like when you travel, you, you would have walked by and seen that mm -hmm. and it would just kind of register in your mind like, oh, that's cool. He's an interesting looking guy. But now that you see it, someone took a photo of it and it froze that moment, mm -hmm. that makes you stop. Like, oh, like, I wonder what he's thinking. I wonder what he's yeah it just makes you stop and think a little bit more about the photo versus a nice photo of just scenery i there's nothing really to think about like i'm just thinking of instagram you're just like yeah okay cool another waterfall another mountain another add a person to that photo or an animal or something that makes you kind of like oh something more to it why do you think that we stop and look at a picture that you captured of somebody in the wild doing the thing versus w walking by that person doing uh -huh. the wild why don't we stop and the same way we would sit down and appreciate a waterfall, like uh -huh. on this bench and we just uh -huh. watch it for a minute or a sunset. Mm -hmm. How come, why do you think we don't do the same when like almost like a, an intentional version mm -hmm. of an artistic way of like people watching? Yeah. I mean, people, people love to people watch. I think right. like the whole, like, Oh, you go to Paris and you sit in a cafe and you people watch is, mm -hmm. it's awesome. Um, but we don't stop and eat, watch a man eat an apple cause he's going to get awkward and he's going to stop doing what he, and I'm, I mean, he'll, he'll stop. He'll mm -hmm. stop doing what he's doing. He's like, Oh, there's someone watching me. I'm not going to eat my apple or I'm going to change the way I'm doing it because now people are watching me uh, versus if you had to just capture that without him knowing. That's why I think people like it because like, hey, this photo was captured without him. It's, it's natural. And um, yeah, it's just it's a moment that's rare. It's an it's a moment that, that wasn't posed. It's a, mm -hmm. just in it, someone in, a, in his element doing their own thing. And yeah, that. that have you ever thought about more of like a deeper meaning behind like when you capture a picture? I don't know if I'm just getting a little mm -hmm. too like weird about it, but I I have these moments and your dad as well of three kids now. Mm -hmm. And we have this little aura uh, electric, one of those digital frames mm -hmm. and then we just upload it through mm -hmm. our app. And all the pictures that I specifically select for it are all always obviously pictures of the kids and the family when we're yeah. doing stuff. And whenever you walk by, get a cup of coffee, you see like the stuff like a photo album, but that's like almost like forced on you. Uh -huh. And the way my brain registers is like, these are memories that I'm jumping back into. These are captured moments that are almost like frozen in time. Like, uh, you know, the same way they explain NFTs. This is a, a part of either history mm -hmm. or a cultural event that somebody created, uh, not only a digital form, but almost like encapsulated that you now have ownership of. And that's why the way I look at those pictures in this digital aura frame, mm -hmm. do you have any kind of like of that, like frou-frou, like spiritual, like feeling of like, this is a memory of a person doing a thing. This is a, a moment ca caught in time that could almost be its own and like has more value mm. than it, than, than you think you would. Mm. 
I mean, I think most photos, there's a lot of times Julia will mention like, hey, remember this, mm -hmm. this moment five years ago or something. And the only way I'll remember it is there's a photo. It's crazy. Like photos will trigger something in your brain. It's like, oh, if there wasn't a photo, you wouldn't remember this moment. But the fact either, I don't know if it's because maybe I took the photo or, or if it's maybe Julia took it and I've seen it a few times and it just sticks in your head. Lots of times that's happening. I'm like, that's a big thing for like, okay, I should be taking way more photos of my kids because if it's like that, I want to be able to remember a lot of things. I'm just like, we just had a birthday party for our youngest. Um, it's just too busy, too much stuff going on. I didn't even pick up a camera. I just got to get this, do this, say hi to everyone. Um, and it, I'm trying to think back to the party. The moments that I remember are the ones that I've seen photos of. That Julie took photos and I've seen it. It was like, hey, when he was eating his cake, I know there's like five photos. And, and that's what like mm -hmm. registers in my head is like the photo. So it's only the photos help you remember things in, yeah. in my mind. They they say that um, who I don't know what book was I reading recently, but they were talking about how all in all, people always feel that nobody has enough time. Everybody mm -hmm. like would agree that there's not enough daylight and there's not enough time mm -hmm. to. And the summer flew by too quick, and the winter went by too quick, and all of a sudden kids are back in school. And and but the the way to counter that what they're suggesting is you live in the moment. You mm -hmm. don't allow yourself to start wondering about, okay, well, you know, next month we have to plan the trip to Arizona because mm -hmm. we were committed to that. Like what they're saying is, and I've tried this actually very mildly this last couple of trips that we've taken. And we were on this lake, we we're in McCall with the family. And I would just sit there and I'd be like, okay, don't think about what you have going on for work tomorrow mm -hmm. or the next day. Just, just try to be present in the moment and like suck in the air that's here. Like take these mental images of your kids, say yes to them. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if photos are just a, like a, like a, an easy way of capturing it for us to like look back on. And I think unfortunately it always brings us to regret because every time you look at any photos, you never go like, oh yeah, I was fully present. I was fully mm -hmm. aware. And then I also now got a picture. I think most of the time we go, I was not fully present. I was not mm -hmm. fully aware. Like you were saying, your your kid's birthday, it was busy. It was chaotic. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, there's a picture for you to like do a little time traveling to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But so there there is this always like, I didn't do enough. I wasn't present enough in that moment. Mm -hmm. I have to rely on this image to. Yeah. To no, me. I mean, it's true. Like, I mean, there's lots of times when, I mean, it's not a party setting. It's just an everyday setting where you don't take any photos. You're like, oh, it's just a random everyday. Why would I take a photo? It's just, but sometimes I force myself like, hey, just grab a camera, whatever. They're playing, just take a random photo of them playing. And I really like those photos because it's, it reminds you of like, hey, not every day was a party or a hike or this, or we went biking. Some days where we were just hanging out at home doing Legos and those photos kind of like, oh yeah, you know, I, we did spend time playing at home. Not just, it just brings back another memory that like, Hey, we, we did have some good times. Is it because you, th we convince ourselves that we didn't do enough. Is yeah. That, I think, think so. Cause you're like, Oh, we just spent the last two days at home doing nothing. We did nothing this last yeah, summer. And you it, go, no, but let's look yeah, at the images. Uh -huh, yeah. And that helps like, Oh, we did it. Yeah. So it's kind of, what was, know. what was your background before you decided to start your own photography business? I don't, I don't actually don't yeah. know this part of the story. Um, I was going to college for nursing. Nursing. Yeah. I was actually going for nursing as well. How far did you get in? Because I, 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 I couldn't get in the program. I got my AA. I did CNA. Oh, did? Okay. I did the CNA and I'm like, dude, I can't do this. Like, yeah. well, what am butts? I doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew that all along. It was just like, oh, you know, it's safe and it pays well and I'll just start studying this. And uh -huh. the yeah. And I think the hardest classes were the first ones, like biology and chemistry. Anatomy and physiology. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I couldn't, like, I don't get this. Uh -huh. like, yeah. Like, yeah. So that was just kind of went through the motions, got my AA. And at the same time, I got a job where... Um, I had more, I had a lot of free time to work on, you know, getting my photography up and so what and made it. you go? Cause I mean, so clearly you go, I don't, I don't like this. So what made you go photography? Did um, you always have an artistic bone? Um, yeah, I was pretty artistic and I like gear. I like, you know, and I just bought a, at the time Nikon D 70. So this was probably 2004, 2005. So you're really showing an interest in photography. Yeah. Before. And it was more like, I'm more, I don't know what the right word is like financial. You know, I just paid like a thousand dollars for a camera. I'm like, hey, how can I make my money back? That's mm -hmm. a lot of money at the time for me. I was 19, um, and I was like, hey, I'll try shooting some gigs, some weddings, or portraits, something to make my money back, and then we'll see how that goes. And so, right at the gates, you felt confident enough that you can do like gigs. Yeah, so really. My, yeah, <laughs> my, I, I, I went on Craigslist. I was like, hey, I'm starting with photography. Here's my portfolio of cars and flowers and 
mountains, mm-hmm. like just random stuff. Um, if you want me to do your wedding, $200. Uh-huh. And there's people who are like, hey, you know what? We'll take a risk. What's 200 like, bucks? Yeah. yeah he's, he has an SLR. He has a decent camera. So, yeah. and yeah, they liked it. And well, it was one wedding. The other one was like a renewal. So it wasn't a real, real, real wedding. But uh, yeah, it was enough that I was like, okay, this is fun. I like it. And the, the three clients I had through Craigslist are happy. So let's, Interesting. let's work on a website. Let's get this going. My diamond photography. <laughs> that was the name of it. Diamond <laughs> photography. You know, it's funny. I actually remember your, you know, when, so you're, you're Ukrainian, I'm mm-hmm. Russian. And, and, and for anybody who doesn't know, typically in specifically large metropolitan areas, a lot of the Slavic people kind of know of people, but they might not know them personally, mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, through like passing. And I remember I knew of you, mm-hmm. uh, especially through our friends, some of our mutual friends. And I actually like when I close my eyes, I can actually remember sitting back, however old I was on my computer at least 20 years ago. Hmm. And I remember your Facebook or maybe it was even on MySpace back then, but maybe I think hmm. to be laying on the safe side it was Facebook. Hmm. And it, I think it was your business launching photo and it was you in a fedora and like in a white, like short sleeve button up shirt on a beach. And it was a black and white image. Hmm. I think that might've yeah, been your profile yeah, picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. I and I remember, I, oh, I was I holding a camera? I think you were holding yeah, the camera, but okay. but I, maybe it's a, it was your website. I think I clicked on your website and that was like the big banner on the very top, you wow. know, and it's black and white. And it says like Yuri Manchik or no, it just said Manchik photography. That's what it was. It wasn't, it didn't oh, say so Diamond. this was after this Diamond. was after okay. that. I mean, Diamond was only around for like a year or two. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, this is ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> my, my business card was a huge diamond. I was like, oh yeah, this makes so much sense. Weddings and engagement rings and diamonds. And, yeah, yeah. And then just like, oh boy. After like a year, I'm like, okay, time to change this up. Well, also, again, that was without me not knowing anything. Then I started getting into forums and groups and uh-huh. getting talking to other photographers and seeing what's out there, how people do things. And you're like, oh, okay. So there's one guy, uh, Mike Cologne. I think that's how you say his last name. In Southern California, he's, he was like, in my eyes, the Michael Jordan of wedding photographers. And his logo was his signature. He was very established. Yeah, he was good. He, this guy at the time was charging 20 grand a wedding, which was, Nowadays, I feel like it's not that big of a deal. By that time, we're like, dude, that's crazy. People are paying you twenty grand, mm-hmm. um, and he was just like a cool guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I looked up to him. I was like, okay, his his uh, website or his logo is a signature. I'm copying that. That's and- nice. <laughs> Do you? I, I'm always curious about artists like this because in in YouTube, when I got into it, I mimicked and replicated the people who I looked up to. So mm-hmm. I was said Casey Neistat, Peter McKinnon, mm-hmm. all these other guys. And so in my earlier stages, I would. You know, whether if Casey was doing quick edits, if he's doing uh, time lapse photography video clips of like cars passing in the downtown area or mm-hmm. the sunrise, sunset drone footage, I would do that. And people like pick up on and be like, no, no, dude, that's not you. Like mm-hmm. you're copying, you're a wannabe. Did you feel that in the photography space? And if you did, were you inspired by certain people to kind of push like your skill set further? Um, I think photography, there's only so much you can do with wedding photography. Mm-hmm. You can't there everyone copies everyone there it's very there's very few that are kind of do their own thing in, in my opinion i there's yeah i'm trying to think of some of the bigger ones and and i think yeah let's just say there's 10 big ones and everyone just kind of copies and kind of adds their own spin to it um i actually a really good one from our area from tacoma sean flanagan i think he kind of did his own thing but then everyone started copying him what's his thing he just had his own style his own editing and just kind of at first, you're kind of like, oh, I don't know if I like this. And then it grows and you're like, dude, like, I actually, yeah. And I think, how I'll, would you describe it? I'm curious if it's something different because usually um, it's warm and. Yeah, his is not warm, not very like pastel color, not enough, not filmy. Just, I mean, filmy in a sense that it was more like grungy almost. Oh, okay. Um, very film look. M- uh, moody? Like, is that, is that an act appropriate? Um, nah, I don't know. Nah, I wouldn't describe it as moody. No. Um, and I, I mean, that, that's just his editing. And his shots were also very, um, he shot very wide. Which for weddings you're always like, like, why are you shooting so wide? That's more of, more a photojournalistic thing, but he made it work. Um, yeah, I, it's just kind of his own thing. Like, and a lot of people would be like, oh, hey, you, that looks like Sean's style, or I think a lot of people started copying that. And um, yeah, I really and it was. I almost feel like he started like the Pacific Northwest style, where it's very. We started doing like film uh, film looks for digital, adding more grain, making uh, making the whites more. Um, I don't even know, like more, not white. I don't know how you, how you, making oh. the whites more gray. Like, oh, okay. Um, like just like a film look. And I, cause then we'd go to conferences in California and stuff. People would be like, oh yeah, like the Pacific Northwest style. 
So why wouldn't those guys, if they're trying to almost like backtrack to create more of like a distress feeling to this, mm -hmm. why not just shoot from film and have that natural like part captured? Yeah. I mean, film's more expensive. It's harder. You're taking 24, 36 shots. You don't know what you got. Oh. You got to wait. You got to pay for all that. Whereas digital, you know, you see what you got right away. Oh. You shoot way more. It's easier. And then you just add that. Interesting. So it just makes it way easier. It's cheaper. Um, yeah. It's a lot easier. Okay, so you were a beginner photographer, you got into it, you knew how to adjust your camera settings, but it at this time, maybe you didn't have your own style, you just knew how to take a picture. Mm -hmm. What was the big jump off point that you went, okay, this is going from me knowing how to run a camera mm -hmm. to me having my own kind of like style? Where did that mm -hmm. connection happen? Hmm. I, I don't think there's like one moment where it happened, it just slowly kind of, you. I look at a lot of other photographers and start shooting and kind of it, it kind of grew out grew out on its own. I would look at my photos, be like, oh, you know, I shot that. Or it's more you shoot throughout the day, and then you go back and look through all your three four thousand images. That's a lot of images to look through. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, it's an eight ten hour day, sometimes twelve hours. So and you shoot a lot. Just there's event photography. There's stuff going on. Whereas, you know, you're doing a commercial shoot. It's like, hey, we've got five products to shoot. We'll shoot it from five different angles. That's 25 shots, 50 shots, you know, maybe 100 if you want to do different lighting. Wedding, there's stuff going on nonstop. There's 200 guests. You want to take photos of a lot, especially if you want candid photos. You want people, hey, someone's saying toast. You want to get reactions. There's 100 photos of reactions and pick out 10, 15 that are, are, are good. They have um, like an emotion behind them? Is yeah, that yeah, yeah. So it's like real raw emotion. You, you know, you'll shoot 100 because you're not going to capture... By the time you might turn around, they stop laughing or someone else put their wine glass up and block their face. There's, so you shoot a lot. Um, but then as you call, calling is like when you go through the photos, um, I think that you, your style comes out a bit too because you decide which ones to choose, which ones not to keep. And yeah, like some, some of the ones I might keep, you might go through and be like, why'd you keep that one? I'd rather keep it. Yeah, mm. that, that's where a lot of styles come out out of the 4,000. Let's say you and I went through a wedding mm -hmm. I shot, 4,000 mm -hmm. images each. Let's say you picked your fair 100, I picked my fair 100. I don't think they'd match up. I think only three or four or five might match up. So it all, oh, you, oh, also, it almost seems like the what you did almost evolved to its own thing. Is that why? Yeah, is that fair yeah, to say? Yeah. Like, you, like you took 4,000 pictures mm -hmm. and the pictures that you chose mm -hmm. versus the pictures that I would have chosen was just like your body's natural way or your mind's natural way of like, evolving or creating a style that you mm -hmm. were drawn to. Yeah. Is that fair yeah, to say? Yep, yep. Yeah. And like, I focus more on the photo than the editing. I, I try to always do as little as possible. Editing. Really? I'm, I'm like, I rather not, I rather, I want to get a good photo. I don't want to spend hours on a computer editing. I just want to throw a quick filter on it, make it pop a little bit. Um, but I, and just talking to a lot of beginner photographers, everyone spends way too much focus on editing. Hmm. They, it's, it's not about the editing. It's your photographer. If you want to be a photographer, take good photos. The editing should be like a last little bump of the photo. So the editing, uh, are you just putting one of those LUTs over it or uh, color? No, what are, are they, LUTs is for video, Kyle, right? Yeah. For What's the, photos? Uh, uh, what do you guys call them for photo? Presets. Presets. Like Lightroom yeah, presets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're just putting a, yeah, I threw like a 10% opacity or how far are you going with this? Um, through the years, I just kind of make my own. Um, you have, you've yeah, you just own. kind of created like, yeah. I I usually take my blacks down, pop up the contrast, uh, a little bit of saturation. Well, blacks down. Why? I thought you usually want to have more of like the blacks to be like nice and firm and vibrant. And I then... don't. I want it more um, faded. Faded. Yeah. Oh, okay. More interesting. Add some grain. Um, convert some to black and whites. Just. Yeah. Video and photo is interesting because Kyle and I were just talking the other day about, you know, some of the color corrections we want to do. Mm -hmm. And it's funny when you're watching, let's say, just for an example, a YouTube video, the videos that I find very captivating, and I think the majority of the people do because there have been studies done on this, is the stuff like, like a thumbnail, something that's uh -huh. contrasted, vibrant, mm -hmm. lots of colors. Is he, Kyle made a great point about like when you walk through a Costco and you see a TV that's being for sale, mm -hmm. there's a lot of like the cheetahs are very yellow and black and you know, the Amazon mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. you know, very rich in color. So that's very like satisfying to the eye. And so mm -hmm. when you it comes to watching video, you want that pop, mm -hmm. but it seems like with photo, you almost want to allow for, and paintings, you mm -hmm. want to almost like create room for like a discovery of your, your, your brain wandering. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, no, that's just a, one style. My st like, mm -hmm. I still think the majority of people would prefer a vibrant photo. Like, really? That's I feel like that's Sony's whole thing. It's like, hey, look at every photo Sony. Like, it's like, hey, you get vibrant colors and yeah, like the whole HDR thing. People jumped on the train. HDR was amazing, and that never. I was like, high they, dynamic they, range. So they yeah. do what? They do low, medium, and uh, yeah. high. It just looks exposure. I those photos never. I didn't like it's, it's just, essentially like a real estate photography, right? Where yeah, they like yep. underexpose it or yeah. overexpose it and find a middle. Yeah. So if you're shooting a photo from the inside, you could see out, outside what's outside too. Outside, so right? You, yeah. You're exposing for the, in, the inside and what's outside the window in the middle, combine them all. And you've got high dynamic range. You could see everything. It, it's not natural. Like mm -hmm. for some photos, it works. Some photos, it's too much. Um, I mean, it's a style. Some people love it. Some don't make even for video. I'm like Wes Anderson movies. Mm -hmm. His, I don't think his are vibrant. He kind of mutes them down. Makes what them are Wes Anderson movies? Um, Budapest Hotel. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. What's the, the other? By the way, I was in Budapest when they were filming that. What? Yeah. Remember when I did my five weeks of traveling? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. My last place was stopping by Budapest, uh -huh. and I was couch surfing over uh -huh. there uh, uh -huh. when you're staying with whoever. Over yeah. there. And uh, that's the place I lost my wallet. We decided to find a, me and my buddy that were traveling. We decided to find a hot spring. We found a mm -hmm. natural hot spring mm -hmm. that was there, and they make them these like Greek places, like like uh, pillars and mm. like these cool like buildings. We found one. We hiked to it because we didn't well through the city. And then once we get there, there were uh, like twenty uh, RVs and trailers mm. that said Hollywood Video, and they were yeah, shooting wow, Budapest at that dang. time. That's Hotel awesome. Budapest at that time. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, dang. Should we try to meet. Yeah, he's got. Owen Wilson is in all his movies. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, again, different style. There's there's a few movies that just kind of have a, it, it just sets the setting. Like, okay, if you mute the colors, make it more, I don't know, it just has a warmer feel. It, mm -hmm. it gives the film a different feel. I think same, same thing for photos. It just, the photo comes off a little different. Interesting. Do you feel like you're wanting to constantly either, st do you feel like you want to evolve in your, in your, like as an artist, do you want to like evolve from this style to the next style? Or do you feel like you just want to continue to do what you're doing, but it's at a different scale? Hmm. Um, By the way, do you call it revert to yourself? I mean, not to be pretentious, but like, do you consider yourself to be an artist? Cause I, I I've never spoken to an artist. Yeah. You know I mean, not, not really. No, I art It just seems weird to mm -hmm. say oh, I'm an artist. Like, but there's an expression, right? And and well, yeah. And the people that do say, I mean, maybe for wedding photography, because I'm like, I'm here to capture your wedding. I you designed everything. You got the dress. You picked the flowers. You did everything. I'm just here to capture it. Mm -hmm. There's very the little the only artistic part I really do is kind of how where I put you and kind of mm -hmm. get where the lighting. Which I mean, yeah, I guess it's a little artsy, but I when I think of artists, I think someone that takes a, something blank and creates something oh. from. I mean, like you're an artist. You just made. Yeah, where if I'm like if I came in or for like a commercial shoot, like you gave me your product and you gave me the free reign to design everything, make what I want, make a masterpiece, you know, marketing thing out of it. Like, okay, that takes more, you know, artistic talent to do versus, like, hey, we our wedding day is done. Can you just come and capture it? How often are you getting photos that are not in focus, like um, blurred out? Uh, well, I just started shooting with a new camera, uh -huh. and it's a. Uh, is that the new one that like that you showed me? It looks vintage, but it's the, really a new one. The Leica M10, so yeah. it's rangefinder. So the image, when you look through it, there's a little box in the middle, and you got to combine the two images. So if I'm taking a photo of you, yeah, there's two of you, and I got to focus it till. You're, you were showing one. me that thing, and it, it, it felt like the most counterintuitive thing I've ever held. Like, it, yeah. you were like these two, like under like uh, opaque, under illuminated mm -hmm. images. Mm -hmm. It looked like a doctor's exam. You know, mm -hmm. they say like, tell me when the two images, the two, uh, what are they? Because it's used the same image. It's the hot air balloon. Tell mm -hmm. me when the two hot mm -hmm. air balloons cross. Yeah. And, huh. and you're like, that was the weird. Have you seen that kind before? The the Leica's focusing. No, I haven't. No, it's literally like I here's know what camera you're talking. Yeah, about. here's a screen. Here's like you're taking a picture of Yuri. Here's mm -hmm. Yuri, and then here's another under uh, exposed like mm -hmm. like opaque image of your and you're supposed to scroll it like to zoom it and somehow the images mm -hmm. like line up and that's like focused and that's yeah. your peaking the craziest thing is it's only that little box it's not like the whole viewfinder everything you see through it like mm -hmm. when you're focusing on an slr the whole image is blurry if you're manual manually focusing it and then you twist it till it's sharp and take a shot this is like this little so you're always having to re recompose like yeah it takes some so I've been shooting the kids a lot with it. Like we'll go out, take photos and just to practice kind of kids move around fast. 
just kind of run after them, get shots. And, but it's fun. It's like a, you're learning a new skill. It's so, like driving a manual car. Yeah. You're like relearning. I'm like, Hey, this is a, like, I was kind of burnt out of photography, but now this is fun. Like I'm trying to relearn, trying to get a good shot. And then when you get a good shot, you're more proud of it. You're like, Oh cool. I got this, had to chase the kids and just the right moment it's in focus. And, and I also think, so yeah, so there, <laughs> to answer your question, way more out of focus shots, <laughs> but it's more of my kids and stuff. So I don't care. You're it's not like, taking it to work. I, the goal is to shoot with him. Oh, yeah. interesting. So yeah. why, why would you take it to work if it's such a, it, what would you get from an image taken on that? Like a M10, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Versus taking a picture on your Canon DSLR. Just different, different look. Like a, has there a, is a different, look. like has a little bit different look. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more for me. I would enjoy shooting it more. Mm-hmm. I think I would, yeah, I would enjoy it. It's harder, but I would enjoy it more. I'd be more proud of the shots I got like interesting. Mm-hmm. I think you and I were very similar in the sense, because based off of our years of friendship and communicating about mm-hmm. stuff, it, it, I think explaining this makes more sense. Like driving a manual car, like you have a, a vintage 2002 style BMW, mm-hmm. which has, you know, it's a manual the, the pedals go into the ground versus mm-hmm. going into the thing. You have vintage motorcycles. And I think you're, I think you want to be hands-on versus mm-hmm. just like, pressing a button i think you want to be part of this user experience no for sure i mean with an slr it's it almost makes it too easy you just point click 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 click, boom you just got 10 shots in two seconds and you're kind of like well anybody can do that Mm. it just doesn't make it as versus when you use a leica you have to focus and you get a great shot you're like okay that wasn't you know that was a hard shot to get i got it you feel better about it you earned it yeah interesting yeah I, i think i mean slrs are still better for work. I don't, yeah. I mean, the transition will be slow just cause I'm still, I wouldn't want to miss stuff. You know, with an SLR, I'm more confident. Like, Hey, I'm not going to miss that shot, that kiss or that, that moment. Um, or, or with the, like, uh, at, like at this moment right now, I'm like, okay, I'm not a hundred percent confident. I'm going to get that shot in focus. Do you know, uh, those Instagram accounts that you'll scroll through? Well, they'll give you these like quick, like 30 second camera hacks. Well, uh-huh. they'll take a camera. Peter McKinnon actually, I think that's how he, got the very beginning stages of virality is he did like 10 camera hacks in 10 mm-hmm. seconds and he put a rubber band around the lens and mm-hmm. he would like put his belt around the thing and swing it um i was watching this other one it's not peter mckinnis but somebody else this girl takes his camera and scratches the lens up mm-hmm. and then takes a picture behind something and it looked like somebody was sticking the camera through like bushes mm-hmm. and stuff like that and it created this distress mm-hmm. so it seems to me and, and correct me if i'm wrong but it seems to me if if you were to take a picture that's like crisp and perfectly lit and all that stuff, it draws far less emotion than if you were to have some kind of thing in the way or some kind of color correction. Mm-hmm. Like that's drawing emotion versus something that's just like the way you saw it, the way you ca- caught yeah. it. I think we see so many crisp, perfect photos that it's, especially with Instagram, it doesn't make you stop. When you're scrolling, it, there's so many great photos that it's just like, oh, yeah, great, 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 great. And then when there's something a little weird like that, you're like, oh, hold on, how mm. they do that or why they do that or what's going on here? And like for wedding photography, like shooting into the sun to get flare, like that's not any photographer from 20, 30 years ago be like, dude, why, why are you doing that? That's bad. That's a bad shot. But it was cool. We were all doing it because you get some flare coming in and you're like, this is awesome. It gives it some more. It's not just a perfectly lit photo. Now you've got flare doing weird stuff and you can see the couple kind of in lit. Yeah. It's just little something extra that makes you stop and wonder how they got that shot or why did they do the shot like that? Interesting. But, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's amazing what some of that stuff would do. But then on the other side of things, if you are a content creator, you want to up, like appeal to catch somebody's attention. You almost want to grab somebody's attention. Mm-hmm. Now you were talking about you would scroll through a lot of these crisp images and then whoa, this one's weird or a little different. What's going on here? But then from like okay, so there's a lot of youtubers like preston styles my kids love preston styles and i don't know if you've heard of him but he's mm-hmm. this is like he acts like he's like a 15 year old kid but really he's like somebody in his 20s and mm-hmm. they do all these minecraft videos and all these challenges millions i'm talking about like 20 million views per video mm-hmm. and uh we had a uh, uh, robert oberst which is a strongman and he collaborated with him on a numeral mass of videos and i remember talking to him about it and he's like yeah they're they they have a team preston has a team of like two companies who strictly just do research on mm-hmm. thumbnails and colors mm-hmm. that like attract people's mm-hmm. attention. Then they, they compile these. Th- mm-hmm. So there's so much research and development that's going towards 
what makes somebody stop and look at a picture. Yeah. So it's almost as like I see a picture on YouTube, a thumbnail, I'll scroll and some of them will have like dramatic effects, whatever. But then you'll see one that's like you're very vibrant. Mm -hmm. Now, the video might be shot very like, you know, grungy or dark mm -hmm. or whatever. That's a different thing. But what made an average person stop and click on that, what they call a click through rate, um, that's what they're researching. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't figure out why is it that certain things we want them to be light, bright and airy and other things we want them to be different and moody mm -hmm. is it that whole that dress is blue or that dress is gold you know what i mean yeah i mean i'm just trying to think of like the youtube thumbnails i've seen like yours and like what do you Mr. like actually Beast. i want to hear your what's your style of things that you end up clicking on have you thought about that i like clean style minimalistic I mean, yeah i don't know what just like clean lines and I, i'm thinking of mr mr beast videos dude it's his face it's bold letters mm -hmm. color like it and i'm like okay yeah that and it works. It makes me stop. Like, oh, dang. Like, let me see. And then, so yeah, it makes me stop. Um, depending on what I'm in, I might click on it if I'm in that mood. But um, I like clean styles. Just like a very, I'm trying to think what, a YouTube one that I like that's pretty clean is AD, Architectural Digest. They do like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. There's a pretty, pretty clean. I remember, right? Yeah. I like theirs. Um, there's another one, uh, Wendover Productions. They just like learning videos. Also mm -hmm. pretty clean. Um, yeah, those are two that come to come to my mind. Yeah, just so it's just yeah. And I think there's some people that just go for the like, hey, this is like easy on the eye. It's clean versus like Mr. Beast yelling in your face with letters. Like th that'll stop you. Mm -hmm. So it works, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say, but yeah, and then the video might be completely different. Right. I've been trying to reverse engineer of like. So every time after work, I'll sit down and I'll have a during cocktail hour, like I'll I'll, I'll watch YouTube videos of stuff that I like, mm -hmm. but I'll also end up taking screenshots, not screenshots because I'm watching on my TV, but I'll, I'll take a picture with my phone mm -hmm. of that thumbnail and I'll save it. I have so many of them and it makes me, it's, and I put it in this little file of like what made me want to click on that video. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's like I'm trying to dissect of going, okay, well the color grabbed my attention and then after that, it made my eyes go towards their titling like of the mm -hmm. video. Mm -hmm. So like there's almost mm -hmm. like this like exploratory, like hook and bait kind of thing. Yeah. Before I even click on the video, what my brain is doing, and I'm curious about what's happening with photography or paintings. What's yeah. making us, uh, first of all, be captivated by something, captured yeah. by something, and then want to explore. There's a lot of pictures. Um, there's this uh, account called Bright Insight, and he does a lot of like these like ancient civilization stuff and... Mm -hmm. Some of it's like you like UFO stuff where it's like, mm -hmm. hey, did you know that Michelangelo had some paintings that had some little hidden illustrations mm -hmm. of UFO? And and so like a lot of these like uh, Da Vinci, Michelangelo, you know, all these artists of the whatever century they're part of, they have a lot of stuff in there, right? There's mm -hmm. like people here, there's people yeah. there, there's a layer, there's a tower, and your eyes are just doing this exploratory thing. It's like you can stare at that for hours because you're there's so much things to look at versus like the Mona Lisa is very basic. Mm-hmm. I somehow photography is able to like have a stare at that picture for a while. Like mm -hmm. the ones that are most fascinating to me is like I mentioned earlier, like you see this old guy, black and white image, and there's a lot of like wrinkly, like wrinkles on his face. Mm -hmm. But for some reason you'll stand there, me personally, and I'll like stare at those wrinkles for a while because mm -hmm. you're almost like exploring one wrinkle after the other. Yeah. And like, what is that part of our brain that wants to do that? Well, part of it is also, I think you wouldn't be able to, if it wasn't for the photo, it's very rare to be able to come up to that old man and just stare at him. True. He wouldn't let you or that just wouldn't happen. So, so the fact there's a photo, it gives you that freedom. Like, Hey, I could stand here and actually like, I feel like I'm looking at this man's face, mm -hmm. his, his eyes, his soul. Like that's cool. Like that you don't get that opportunity versus going back to like a scenery. Like, yeah, you can go out where we live and see amazing scenery any time of the day. So if, when you see a photo of it, you're like, Oh yeah, I could see that. I saw that, you know, two weeks ago when I did that hike. Versus like like a black and white photo of a man like that. There's more to it. His eyes tell a story. His skin tells a story. What wars has he fought in? What family he? You start thinking. You see yourself in that photo, and yeah, your mind just depends. Everyone's different, but everyone's mind kind of goes in their own direction with that photo. Why do you think black and white? It's one thing when you add coloring, like mm -hmm. meaning you're adding ambers or whatever to make it more moody or warmer, but then going back to the complete basics of a black and white photo, mm -hmm. why do black and white photos bring out so much more emotion than a colored photo? Cause it takes away the distraction of, of color. 
instead hmm. of focusing on color now you're focusing on the subject interesting or the face or color like a michelangelo painting there's color everywhere there's stuff everywhere. you're just like i said going all over the place this you get rid of all the color you focus so it's not about the color it's about what was photographed um, a lot of especially older portraits you're just focused on what they're wearing or what their facial expression was um and i think yeah your eyes you just have less almost like color distracts you from the subject interesting interesting like the the detail and so it almost like the colors uh like we're mentioning about the vibrancy mm -hmm. um the, the pop that's almost like a, like a makeup yeah you could say that i mean right but with nature we don't do that right yeah. with nature we go look how lush green those evergreens yeah, but are but then i'd say ansel adams one of the most famous photographers of all time he did black and whites of mountains of mountains and like of not just mountains but nature and and everyone loves his photos and he i think he was able to do with black and whites that a lot of people weren't he made his blacks like really black and mm. they're just very moody like very the clouds were dark and scary and the I think his photos, people really liked his photos just because it maybe people weren't doing that with black and whites, especially for yeah nature. Everyone's like, why would you make nature black and white? Look at the sunset colors. Why would you get rid of that? And he's like, well, if I get rid of that, then you're focused on the clouds. Mm. Instead of the colors, you're just focused on how the gradient. Yeah, I don't even kind of just. I wonder if it has something to do with the way our brain receives that information. I wonder if you have like this like extremely busy thing, your brain goes, whoa, that's too much. Like yeah, I used yeah. to do that with thumbnails. Like I'd have text and you know, like a big title text and a thing and this other thing. And then people, when they scroll over, it's like, what is this hodgepodge? And they keep going mm. versus when it's simplicity. Yeah. Like uh, you said, you like simple thumbnails. Uh -huh. You'll scroll over and be like, oh, what is that? And then you'll look at the title. Oh, they did this? And then your brain decides whether or not you want to watch it. Yeah. I wonder when you when you take away this makeup layer of vibrant colors, in contrast, your brain has this only black and white thing where it almost has like an easier way of digesting mm. that information and processing yeah. it. And then, yeah, especially if like if you're scrolling and the, you know, the ten out of the twelve are like that, very vibrant and in your face, and then there's one that's clean. You just like, oh, this one's different, and you stop. Like, why is it different? Mm -hmm. um, so it's just it's almost what stands out more. Or the opposite, if everything's simple and then there's one that's just bold and pops in your face, you're going to stop because you're like, oh, this one is not like the rest. Why is it not like the rest? Mm -hmm. kind of thing. One thing I've always been very curious, um, and the reason I'm curious about it is because as somebody who has to think about thumbnails and positioning, fortunately, Irina started recently working with us, and so she helps me a little bit with that um, side of things, is setting people up to like capture this emotion or mm -hmm. capture this event. Like you're, you're staging them. We're not yeah. saying like natural. Like... Um, like when you did our wedding photography 10 years ago, it was actually our anniversary is next month, um, 10 years. We, there's, we have this specific picture. We were all in front of this barn mm -hmm. and you lined everybody else, you know, everybody up the, the five or six groomsmen and, 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 and bridesmaids. Mm -hmm. What, how do you plan for the staging of things? Because I've, one thing I've always noticed about every wedding photographer that I've been around, they're always very confident. They're always mm -hmm. been like, so if, if the bride or groom says, hey, we want to capture a picture of just a groomsman, mm -hmm. you guys always have this ace in the pocket. Okay, so here's what we'll do. Okay, uh, right here, uh, stand here, stand that, put your hand right there, do this and something, and then it comes out like money. Mm -hmm. Do you guys just have this Rolodex of images that you're inspired from other photographers or do you just have your own Rolodex or how does that process work? No, there's no Rolodex. I mean, it's lighting. Every Well, it helps, first of all, wedding, everyone's dressed up and looking good. So it's like, that's one big part. Okay, like the groomsmen shot. They're dressed in tuxes or they look good, hair's done. That's a big part of it's done. Next part, find a good lighting. Find that and then it's just... Uh, like I'm, I'm not gonna try and make you guys do weird like stuff. Mm -hmm. It's let, let me line you guys up. You guys already look good. I want to get good photos. You guys looking at the camera, like just like a nice shot. And then it's more a lot of times it's like, hey, chill out or walk towards me or do something where I can get some more natural shots of you guys not being posy. Um, but ro Rolodex wise, I mean, there, there, I'd say there's like three or four shots I do for groomsmen, mm -hmm. and. The rest, it's more, I rather have, my favorite shots of groomsmen, it's usually when they're getting ready. If it's at a hotel, there's a bar or a pool table, like, hey guys, just do your thing, mm -hmm. right? Those are the best shots. You're laughing, you're having a good time, it's your best friend's wedding, or, um, versus me trying to line you guys up, it's gonna take away, which you need a couple of those shots. I'm like saying, not all the shots should be natural. I wanna get a couple of shots where you guys are all lined up looking good. Um, but yeah, I three or four shots is 
enough of the like the rolodex style shots the rest i just want to be everybody's different every location is different some groomsmen are crazy and like i want that when the groom looks at the photos 20 years from now I'm like oh yeah so and so was that he jumped into the pool that one time that's just him that's kind of you know versus like oh yeah we stood in a line in front of a barn and no no i want to remember what my best man was like i remember yeah so that's why the national photos i think will help you remember that what um i want to hear some of your uh, nightmare stories clients wise yeah i haven't people always ask and nothing no I mean, you don't have anything not nightmare. we've had some hard ones where it's tell the story about the time that you lost kyle you'll love this because uh, we talk about like double sd cards on mm, camera mm -hmm. so make sure you don't lose footage yeah Tell the story you told me one time about you losing some a bunch of footage of from a wedding. Yeah, so it happened twice. Once was my maybe second year or third year, and the card, not the card, the the hard drive just went bad, and I did. It was like two nights of not sleeping. Took it to a hard drive, hard drive recovery place in Seattle. I'm just, just like, hey, just get them off, whatever it costs. And then nine hundred dollars later, they got. So they can still extract photos that are not presenting on your on your camera from an, the hard drive yeah data recovery it's not cheap it's pretty much a lab like they're lab coats and dust free they open it up and somehow get it out i don't know how but they do but he wasn't able to get all of it so then it's just like that email like, <laughs> <laughs> to the bride and groom your special day i don't yeah. have like ha half of the pictures i uh, didn't have like halfway through the ceremony um so i was like i mean i told him like hey this sucks, you know, like I wish I could do anything. I've already paid $900 for this. I've tried everything. I, you know, I, if there's any of your family that took photos, they can send me the photos. I'll work on them. I'll like, I'll do what I can to make it right. And that's pretty much like, and they were nice about it. They're like, yeah, you know, it sucks, but you know, what are you going to do? And the other one, it's funny that because like you always think of like the bridezillas. It's it's bad enough. Like when things do go right, but they mm -hmm. don't go as perfectly right. Yeah. But we're talking about like you are the time machine man. Mm -hmm. Your job is to to put all these memories into this time machine that they'll hold for the rest of their life. And yeah. then this just happened yeah. because of a faulty hard drive. Yeah, which, and everyone's human. Like, I think they understand like, yeah, it's not like he did this on purpose. Like it sucks. Like, I mean, I mean the way, the right way to do it would be back it up on three hard drives. And, but it's like dude, for 20, 30 weddings every year, that's a lot of, mm -hmm. you know. And the other one I was, we were shooting in, Kentucky or Nashville and just you know how car rental keys there's like three of them or four on a little thing yeah, it yeah, just, yeah. anyways I had them in my pocket and for some reason I put the memory card in my pocket and it's not these are CF cards so they're pretty big they're not tiny like SD cards and it fell out what's this SF card or S CF? SD is the tiny card okay. that you probably use in most things yeah yeah and CF is a compact flash so it's bigger it's like it's like a floppy disk no, no, like a okay, a quarter, and, quarter of a. But you have to have a special camera to put that in, or yeah, is so it an old, adapter? No, no, the, the cameras take them. Like the oh. older Nikon's took them. Oh, okay, um, and most have now gone to SDs. Um, but yeah, it just fell out of my pocket somewhere, and we spent. So we shot the wedding, and then afterwards, like that night, can't find the car. Next day, drove around, and we shot in like five different places. Like the getting ready, then we took one place to take photos, then ceremony sites. We're, anyways, drove, put a Craigslist ad like, hey, if anyone in front of, and I've, I think it fell out somewhere in the street. So put a Craigslist ad like, hey, if anyone sees a CF card. You went on casual encounters on Craigslist. <laughs> Man looking for a CF card. Yeah, we, yeah, tried everything. I mean, that wasn't as bad because it was mostly just the getting ready photos and a few, like, it, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like an important shot. So they were understanding, gave him, you know, and an album for free kind of you know made it right, right. like hey right. it sucks like, like it's our fault i lost it yeah you trust me take all the photos i lost a card my fault what can we do to make it right and yeah so yeah they're in the end it's like you gotta you know make it right and sure but it's interesting about making right because making right you go well like how do you put a price on memories right mm -hmm. and i mean what you did was really nice like you go like well can i throw because some people go like oh yeah well how about you pay us or how mm -hmm. about you uh work for free because you lost this memory mm -hmm. that we only have one time mm -hmm. you know what i mean so the making right part is it's kind of subjective right yeah so i mean if they wanted something like that i mean i would i'd probably do whatever they want really? it's just like yeah. hey i mean it i just feel really bad yeah and I understand that's why also a lot of, you know, I mentioned I'm a wedding photographer people, other photographers, they're like, oh, not in a million years or I would never do that. I don't know how you guys, because the stress, it's just yeah. like you have hanging over your head, like you can't lose these photos once in a lifetime a day, like all this stuff. And um, yeah, sometimes it's, 
now or even traveling for weddings like you can't miss there's so fair so many fairies we've almost <laughs> really <laughs> like we, we'll just we, we kind of push it i mean it's just my our character is like hey there's there's safe side people that'll fly out to the wedding two days before get there settle in and when there's people like us that'll fly out in the morning now you're like okay that's not smart but <laughs> it like it, it's work <laughs> you seem like you have a good grasp on stress like you have i don't like even the way you're talking about it you you're saying like oh things like that happen like it's you're you you're really like have a good feeling of like calmness towards things you're like this is not end of the world i think i've had enough stressful moments that is like in the end of the day you're not gonna die like just i'm i mean why stress about it type mm -hmm. of thing it's like why you're making yourself you're causing more pain on yourself psychological pain for no reason it's usually you're the one doing it if you just have a good mood about it or a good view like well it's gonna happen it'll suck but we'll get through it mm. and i feel like well then you sleep better and you go through life happier and you're more likely to do more things versus like oh i'm not going to do, go do that or do that thing because so and so might happen well or so and so might not oh, might not happen so just go do it and especially with kids like julia's more on the safer side i'm more like just if it happens we'll worry about it then you know like let's me and the kids are going to go do this it's not might not be safe but I trust them. I want them to be kids and boys and have fun and risk risk things and skin their knees. And once something bad happens, then we'll stress and worry and figure yeah. out how to pay for the hospital or whatever happens. Mm -hmm. And so far, nothing bad has really happened. Like Jordan Peterson, the clinical psychologist, says that you have to let children do dangerous things carefully. Mm -hmm. You've heard of that line before? Mm -hmm. And I truly hold that very upfront and center for me because... Uh, especially the age that my boys are at, they're, you know, eight and seven, almost nine and seven. And mm -hmm. they're curious. And especially now, especially the oldest, he's got this like, opinion about things or he's developing this opinion. So I could still say, hey, I said so. Mm -hmm. and But I also know that it's, it's wearing off. Like mm -hmm. this is the last bit I can be on. So I'll be like, cool, do it. So like this last time we were at the cabin, I was like, hey, you boys want to chop some wood? Mm -hmm. Here's an ax. Like, What's going to happen is if you're not following my instructions, you will chop a toe off mm -hmm. or hit your shin with it or whatever. So then, you know, you have them follow your little rubric, but it's really cool when you watch yeah. them do these dangerous things carefully. I saw this video of it, and this is one of those like TikTok, whatever overlays, but it's like Jordan Peterson is giving this talk, let your kids do dangerous things carefully. And it's this dad standing on a pallet that's being lifted by a forklift on their property. And his like, what looked like a 12 year old son is slowly trying to bring this pallet that his dad's standing on to the second story window. So he, mm -hmm. the dad's trying to come up to it to okay. do something with it. And the son is the one that's oh, driving oh, okay. it slowly. Uh -huh. So it was the most prime example of like, you have to let him do yeah. dangerous things. They have to feel that this is a yep. dangerous thing and they have to feel that they have to do it carefully and mm -hmm. that there's a lot of weight on them. Mm -hmm. that, that builds character. He's gonna remember that moment. He's gonna, that has more life lessons than a lot of things, yeah. I think. Versus, yeah, it's just when you, you hang out with other families and other kids, it's easy to tell like, oh yeah, his parents don't let him do anything or yeah, mm. his parents are more, because if the kid's just afraid to do anything and just sitting there like, Oh no, my mom and dad said I can't do that. And to each their own type of thing. But I want my kids to be more experienced life. Well, I definitely see it when it goes like, Hey, uh, let's say one of the kids, his friends will be over I'll mm -hmm. spend the night and be like, Hey man, uh, your dad's coming. Uh, you want to get your backpack ready or mm -hmm. get your shoes. And they'll be like, some of the kids will be like, can you go get it for me? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Or the other day, one of the neighbor's kids came over and uh, Jack was in trouble. He can't be on, this, on, on his video games. And he's like, hey, um, can I play video games? I go, no, the boys can't play video games. So we're mm -hmm. not doing video games. But I want to play video games. And I go, I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't know what it means to yeah. no? like." Yep. But, um, but then you see the other side. Like uh, Irina's nephews, we were at, at the cabin. And uh, from what I hear, they're pretty sheltered and stuff like that. And I was like, hey, you, you boys want to learn how to chop some wood? Mm -hmm. And you could see these boys go like, yeah. Like, yeah. like meaning like you're almost inviting them to this little private club of like, don't tell your parents. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. most of the parents yeah. would be like, no. But what was cool is they got a grasp on it. They were chopping wood safely. Mm -hmm. Their parents came and their, their mom was like taking a video of them. Yeah. But it was like a prime example of like you see a kid who doesn't do dangerous things enough mm -hmm. carefully or doesn't have responsibility. Like I remember hearing stories about people and we kind of grew up like that because we both are immigrants. But like back when we were growing up, 
we would go to the store that's a couple of miles away from the house to go mm-hmm. buy bread when we were like seven. Yeah. You know, or the kids growing up in the 60s and 70s that would walk to school, mm-hmm. you know, five miles yeah. uphill both ways <laughs> in the snow. Yeah. You know, I just had a talk. Of, I don't know who. I watched a video about why this, a YouTube video, why this family will not raise their kids in suburbia. Mm-hmm. And they're comparing it to Denmark, where it's like kids bike everywhere. A seven to eight year old hanging out outside, it's normal. Whereas in the U.S., like you're going to get CPS called on you, and yeah. it's like, dude, that's crazy. That back that was normal back in the day. Even us growing up, we biked everywhere, did whatever we want, and now all of a sudden, like your kids have to be in your yard, and the, the, I don't know. I kind of I feel, feel kind of sad for my kids. I want my boys to be able to like go explore. Hang, yeah, especially where we live and like our home in Gig Harbor, tons of woods. Kids like love right now digging it and looking for treasure, digging, looking for dinosaur bones or whatever he thinks he'll find. And yeah. I want him to have the freedom just go just come back you know in an hour or two and get some food <laughs> yeah no that's exactly right. like do your kids still do uh the tooth fairy stuff do you guys ever do that tooth fairy i did it once you did it once i'm so, still the tooth fairy well yeah what do you mean well i'm still i'm still you're, you're still, still doing, i'm yeah. still doing it okay yeah. now one is one of them's kind of figured well, it out but he's like he's not blowing it for the for his mm. younger brother but the younger brother like he's 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 convinced like yeah. he's in a top bunk he's like the tooth mm. didn't show up last night and i was like well, I think if you leave it, if you sleep on the couch today, they might show up. And I heard that if you, and then he, he remembered, he goes, I remember when Jack lost one tooth and the tooth fairy didn't show up that the next day he got two dollars. He's like, and I'm like, dude, I'm not going to take away this yeah. like special well, feeling yeah. that you have that you can be anything that anything exists. And yeah, well, my kids are five and three, two. So they haven't lost teeth yet. He, Lev lost one tooth. He didn't lose it. The dentist pulled it out. Uh-huh. So it. We haven't got. You to had to pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't get paid. Yeah. He had to pay we for haven't it. got to the tooth fairy part yet, but we will. I think all that stuff is so fun, man. Yeah. I, whether it's elf on the shelf, the tooth fairy, whether mm-hmm. it's it's dinosaur bones, mm-hmm. or what happens when you you know go on the other end of the toilet, swirling down. You know, do you end up in other like mm-hmm. that stuff? You got to preserve it because yeah. I think all that stuff helps cultivate their creativity and mm-hmm. helps them. No, for sure. Create their own view of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, so on the drive here last night, like 10 p.m., the super moon, mm-hmm. dude. What's so the, cool to, what's the super moon? It was on it was on Wednesday night, but uh-huh. last night it was huge too. It's I don't know, it's just I don't know if it's something lines up, but the moon gravity is huge. wise, yeah, maybe. It was r- big and yellow. Like kind of yeah, I never I, I someone mentioned it, but yeah. it was awesome. You're like, "Guys, look at this." And they're just amazed by it. They've never seen yeah. the moon. It was pretty much eye level when we were driving, and it yeah, just It was one that was like covering like half of the like, No, it was the full moon. No, but, but it was covering like half of the horizon kind of thing. Like, was no, it, no, no, it was no. fully out. It was fully yeah, out. Fully oh. out. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't know if this is one of those rare events, but yeah. yeah, it was just cool to like see how amazed they were by the moon. That's incredible. Seeing it like that. But yeah, it's it's awesome. They're getting to the age where they have a lot more questions about things and it's it's fun to teach them. And We went camping the other a uh, couple of weeks ago and uh, Irina went to bed or something like that, or she was putting Harper down. And I was just sitting, and we're waiting for the stars come out. And the boys know I'm very fascinated by space and mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. And uh, Beckham was very fascinated by this as well. But what was wild is how much knowledge they actually have at mm-hmm. eight and seven mm-hmm. years old about space. Like, they were explaining to me how wormholes work, <laughs> like, accurately. Yeah. And they're saying, like, how many more galaxies are out there? Mm-hmm. And I was like... Yo, don't tell your mom, but I believe that too. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's just so fun because they're like you, mm-hmm. and then you when you you when you invite them into this like the circle of trust was like I will let you do dangerous things. I will trust you with ideas that some people might not line up with. Mm-hmm. They it almost allows for them to grow and develop and not feel like somebody's feeding them any kind of baloney. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so yeah, no, dude, kids are way smarter than. Than we think, especially at that age. Like, yeah. I don't have a nine-year-old yet, but I have, you know, nephews that are. I'm like, yeah. man, dude, how do you guys know this stuff? Yeah, I always, I never really tell them. Like, I never really shut off. Like, if I have like Joe Rogan playing, there's like mm-hmm. profanity. Mm-hmm. I always like stop. I'll pause and I go, hey guys, if you're coming in here, there's gonna be a lot of bad words. Mm-hmm. You can't say them. Mm-hmm. You can when you become an adult, but the mm-hmm. reason you can is right now because you, I don't, you don't know when you can or cannot use them mm-hmm. around the kids. So, right now you can, mm-hmm. you can't. Uh, you can ask me what they are and I'll tell you. But if I find out you're using these words, mm-hmm. I can't trust you again. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. Like they'll come in and they're like, I've never, yeah. like, I think Beckham one time said shit, but like, 
he dropped his bike or something like that. And I was yeah. like, dude. And he's like, got it. <laughs> he like locked it down. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and I think that's fine. Like, yeah, I, I, you shouldn't say kids are smart that you, yeah. you tell them they'll know. Yeah. You shouldn't censor every little thing. And like, yeah, well, it's, it's very hypocritical to be like, if you're about to slam on your brakes because a car is coming uh-huh. and you, you, you know, you go shit. Mm-hmm. It's pretty hip- hypocritical when you go, Hey, you guys can't say these things. And they yeah. go, why? Well, because you can't. Mm-hmm. Well, one day you can, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because you'll yeah. know whether or not you want to use that word or you can't or shouldn't, you yeah. know? No. Yeah. No, I agree. It's wild, man. I agree. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's yeah. been fun picking your brain about it. I had fun with this. Yeah, for you were, sure. You were like, what are we going to talk about? Yeah, I goes, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I like <laughs> you and I never have a dull moment, man. Yeah, this is... no, I like that. I like that we have lots of things to talk about. We didn't even talk about watches. No, <laughs> I want to talk about watches. I think we, had, we were talking about cars. I know. <laughs> I got an appointment. I got to get to. Yeah. But uh, thanks for coming. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for this. Uh, go look up Yuri anywhere. Yuri Manchik Photography, right? Is there mm-hmm. any other any other spot besides uh, Instagram, Facebook? Instagram is mostly yeah. Your Sticking, photography. Yeah. Um, and if you're in the you know Seattle area, well, you kind of do stuff all over the world, so mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, cool, man. I appreciate yeah, you nice. on here. Thanks for having me. All right. Take yep. it. Bye.